the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got an awesome show for you today. In this half hour of the show, really special, we have Professor Robert Sedler, who is an expert on the U.S. Constitution. And we'll be talking about the Supreme Court decision allowing funding in religious schools. That just came out this last week. In the second half of the hour, we will investigate the portion of Korah, which can be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 16 and following. We've got wonderful music scattered throughout the show. Really cool songs in the middle. Just stay tuned. We have an epic story at the end, as it is about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose yurt site, the passing, is celebrated this Saturday. But before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> The Jerusalem District Court ordered the Palestinian Authority to pay $37.5 million in compensation to 32 Israeli families that lost members in terror attacks during the Second Intifada from 2000 to 2005. One Palestinian was stabbed by an Israeli near Ariel during a fight between Israelis and Arabs. Police are investigating. A group of Arabs from Shechem tried to cross the security fence into Israel. IDF forces shot and killed one of the men. Suriname will not be moving his embassy to Jerusalem, as announced last month. The South American country says it does not have the money for the move. You have property in Jerusalem, yeah. In the sport, the Israeli rhythmic gymnastics team won a gold medal at the European Championships. Yay! The U.S. Supreme Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit in St. Louis upheld an Arkansas law requiring all public contractors not to boycott Israel. 
This is intended to strike back against the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement targeting Israel. The plaintiffs say they plan to appeal to the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, the Administrative Court of Stuttgart, Germany, ruled that the BDS movement does not violate Germany's laws against hate speech. I like that one. And finally, the Australian state of Victoria, that's where Melbourne is, banned the public display of swastikas. Punishments includes a $22,000 fine and 12 months imprisonment. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Let's start us off with some music. This is brand new. The song, the artists are Shlomo Mayer and Ari Hill. The song is called Yehudi HaKodesh, The Holy Jew. Yehudi, 
Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line Professor Robert Sedler. He's a professor emeritus from Wayne State University. His specialty is the American Constitution. We're going to be talking about the Supreme Court decision allowing funding for religious schools. How are you today, Professor Sedler? We're fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, so I, the, this idea of funding religious schools has a history to it. I don't know if it goes back to the f- time of the framers of the Constitution when they were thinking there was public schools. Then I think the first public school actually wasn't until 18-something. But could you, could you give us like a history of Supreme Court decisions and, and uh, maybe if you could tell us what the framers had in mind when they were talking about the separation clause? The, uh, remember, so we talk about the religion clauses. No establishment of religion, but at the same time, the uh, protection of religious freedom under the free exercise clause. No law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So it's a fine line between what is an establishment of religion and what is the protection of the free exercise clause. What you have in a number of state constitutions, now Michigan is different, but let me explain that, prohibiting aid to religious schools, very much directed at Catholic parochial schools. The, uh, as a general proposition, the state cannot fund sectarian schools, what we call parochial, better sectarian is the better word. But at the same time, it can provide some benefits to children attending sectarian schools and their parents. The problem with the Maine law was in some rural areas of Maine, they don't have public schools. It's a very few, but it's a few areas. And so the state provides vouchers to enable parents to send their children to private schools but there was a provision in the main constitution that said this can't include sectarian schools. Now, Michigan is very different. Michigan prohibits aid to private schools, period. No aid to private schools, direct or indirect. So this would not have an effect in Michigan. 
what the Supreme Court held was that when that the state doesn't have to give any aid to private schools, but if it chooses to give aid to private schools, it cannot discriminate against religious schools. That violates the free exercise clause. So it's a very specific holding that protects religious freedom. Again, the state does not have to fund private schools. But if it chooses to provide to fund private schools, it has to include religious schools. Okay, that's the decision now. Let's let's talk about the history. When was the, when were the first decisions about when did this idea come of uh... It was 1947. Okay. Uh, in the case then. of Everson versus New Jersey. It's a very interesting case where New Jersey provided bus transportation to sectarian schools. And by the way, that is permitted in Michigan. That's the one exception. It can provide bus transportation to sectarian schools. So the court held in that case, I think drawing an inact analogy to separation of church and state, that while the, the state can't give money to uh, sectarian schools, it can give benefits to children attending sectarian schools. And so that developed, and all the cases followed that. The state is able to give certain benefits to children attending sectarian schools. This would, uh, and their parents, uh, this, but, uh, this would include uh, secular textbooks. Uh, it includes diagnostic services. And if the state sets up a program giving parents vouchers to attend private schools, uh, among other things, that could include sectarian schools. So basically, the, the principle is that where the state gives benefits to school children, it can include in those benefits with certain restrictions children attending sectarian schools and their parents. Okay. Our guest today is Professor Robert Sedler. He's a professor emeritus, Wayne State Law School, specializing in constitutional law. We're talking about the recent, last week, Supreme Court decision allowing funding for religious schools. In that New Jersey case, what was the, what was the, what were the the claims of the the plaintiff who said that New Jersey shouldn't be allowed to do that, Professor Sedler? Well, uh, again, uh, when it comes to Expenditures for religion uh, funds, the court has allowed taxpayers to bring those challenges, to claim that the expenditure of funds that benefit sectarian schools or otherwise benefits religion violates the Establishment Clause. Uh, But actually, the the case itself, uh, I I don't remember... Uh, who the Jefferson was, but it, it's the important principle that the state can provide, if it provides benefits to children attending public schools, it can generally provide benefits uh, to children attending 
uh, sectarian schools. Uh, for, for example, uh, it can send public school teachers into sectarian schools to teach secular subjects. You know, the, the thing is that parents who send their children to sectarian schools say, look, we are supporting public schools. We should get some of the benefits. Of course, the contrary argument is that all of us support public schools, including those of us who no longer have children uh, in the public schools. But I think in any event, it's very important to understand that in Michigan, there's a, there can be no aid whatsoever, direct or indirect, to private schools or children attending private schools, uh, except, well, I, I want to qualify that. The, the public schools, uh, I, I want to make the, the private schools can be a vehicle for distribution of benefits. For example, if there's a school lunch program, you want to, you, that's a benefit to children. You want to include children attending sectarian schools. So you want to give them the same kind of, or for private schools, you want to give them the same kind of, of benefits, uh, not, not really having nothing to do with the schools, like uh, free or reduced lunches or diagnostic services or health services. But that's important to recognize that in Michigan, there can be no aid direct or indirect, to K-12 to uh, private schools. Okay. Does this – you mentioned that a couple of times. Does this case, which is Carson versus Macon, does it have any forba- for, for, forbearance on Michigan law? Can they say – can people now say and say, listen, the Supreme Court said that you have to. Is, does this have any – will Michigan law change now because of this Supreme Court decision, Professor Sudler? You know, there was a proposal on the ballot in the 2000 election to allow some aid to private schools. It was defeated two to one. So it's not really an issue in Michigan. Okay, that's understood. Now, so so this 1947 case, that was the landmark case. Where there's, did the Supreme Court tweak it at all between 1947 and 2022? I'm sorry, you're saying was this case a landmark case? Yes. Well, uh, I, no, not really, because it's a very narrow, well, it's a very narrow situation. Uh, it's only because Lane, uh, Maine is a, law, a state that has a lot of rural population. Uh, it really does not have much effect. It really involves the principle that, again, you can't, where the state gives aid to private schools, it cannot discriminate against sectarian private schools. It is a matter of discrimination against sectarian schools, which the court has held violates the free exercise clause. Okay, so the only states that would be able to benefit are those states that currently have a voucher system. Would that be uh, the case? That- the, the, the court has upheld vouchers as part of a, a, a program of many different kinds of assistance to children in low-performing schools. And again, it is a benefit to the parents and children. They don't 
give money directly to the schools. Basically, they give the money to the parents. The parents can make a choice. They could go to certain magnet schools, or they could choose to go to sectarian schools. Again, that's not permitted in Michigan. Okay. What about charter schools? Michigan does have charter schools, which seem to be, as far as I know, private schools. Again, every charter school has a tie-in to either a public university or a public school district. I think Central Michigan University, for example, has sponsored a number of charters. But there, there has to be a public connection so that the, the charter schools are run, are run differently, but they are hooked up, so to speak, with a public body. Uh, even though they may be sec- even though the school itself may be sectarian in nature. Right, you have to there has to be it has to be sponsored, so to speak, by a public body. Uh, is that like an end run around the law, the Michigan law? Professor? No, it's uh, uh, again, uh, it is consistent because the charter school, in theory at least, is uh, I want it's probably not operated by, but well, it is. It is. Uh, it is controlled by a public body. Now, the public body may delegate everything to the parents, but you you have to have that public tie under the Michigan Constitution. Okay. Understood. This has been great. I'm just wondering, um, is there any recourse after this main law? Is there going to th- do you think that some other schools might come up? Or do you think this is going to be like put the final lid on? And I just need to prophesy. No, that's, but... the, that's the holding of the Supreme Court, and it would apply to any other situation. You have to understand it's, it was, it's highly unusual. But I do want to point out, that a lot of states have what's called no-aid clauses. This was very much directed at Catholic sectarian schools. And the Supreme Court has looked with disfavor on no-aid clauses because they discriminate against sectarian schools or other sectarian activities. Again, we have a fine line between the Establishment Clause, which requires complete official neutrality toward religion, and the Free Exercise Clause, which protects religious freedom. So there's a sort of a connection between the two, and there, uh, there has to be a uh, aid. If you're going to give aid to religious schools, it has to be consistent with the Establishment Clause. And basically, it is including religion with the secular. Let me use an example. Religious property is exempt from taxation, along with charitable and and educational property. Similarly, there is a, a tax deduction for religious educational and charitable. Uh, you can't have it for religion only if you want to include if you but you can include religion along with charitable and educational. 
Got it. Understood. Okay. I'm not that I'm one to resort to punditry. I really hate pundits, to tell you the truth, because who knows what's going to be. But given the nature of the court, of the Supreme Court of the United States, right now, does this? Co- oh, the court has taken a dramatic conservative turn. Indeed. I mean, the uh, overruling of a 50-year-old precedent uh, saying that there's a constitutional right to abortion is highly extraordinary. Uh, The precedent had not been weakened. Basically, the majority said, we think the decision was wrong. We're going to overrule it. It doesn't affect any other decisions. It's only about abortion. But still, this is highly unusual. So I'm not unhappy that I'm retired. It would be difficult to teach constitutional law dealing with that case. Unless one just says, well, it's an exceptional case uh, dealing only with uh, abortion. But you do have a conservative-dominated court, and it should not be surprising that you get these kind of decisions from the court as now constituted. Okay, let me digress. You said something very interesting. Is this the first time that a major Supreme Court decision has been reversed, Professor Sedler? Yes. Okay, that simple is enough. Okay, so now, back to my original question. Given the nature of the makeup of the court, would it not be, say, that someone could sue the state of Michigan for their clause of not giving aid to sectarian schools? Would this not be the proper environment for somebody to initiate such a cause? No, there would have to be a show, and the Supreme Court made that very clear in the main decision. It said, the states do not have to give aid to private schools, period. But if they choose to do so the way Maine did, it cannot discriminate against sectarian schools. But no, Michigan is very clear because Michigan prohibits all aid to private schools. Now, that is permissible. There's no requirement that the state give any aid to sectarian schools. Uh, but this, it's only if they give aid to private schools, they cannot exclude sectarian schools. Okay, this has been wonderful. I just feel totally smarter than I did 20 minutes ago, Professor Sedler. I want to thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, by the way, what is the radio station that well, you're on? I'll, I will call you back afterwards, and we'll talk about that. Okay, but our guest has been Professor Sed- Robert Sedler. He is a... Professor Emeritus Wayne State University, that fine August Hall, and uh, we are talking. We were talking about Supreme Court decisions allowing funding for religious schools, and uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on, and uh, wish you continued success, Professor Sedler. Okay, thank you. Bye. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. 
call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shulfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, we... Sometimes our our eclectic selection of music is more eclectic than I can imagine. Up next, this is a Klezmer song, officially. It's one of those Klezmer fusion songs. This, the group is called 17 Hippies. And would you like to guess why the group is called 17 Hippies? Because there are 17 members of the band. They don't look like hippies, but um, they're too young. But that's what they call themselves. The song is, it's an old Yiddish song called Dinah Tren, which is uh, which means your tears. Let's listen. <laughs> Die Nacht verliert sich heute wie von selbst Tiefes Blau, nur Wind und Sand Wehen uns ganz leicht von vorne an Flüchtig schaue ich dich an Greif nach dir und deiner Hand Hier am Strand Helle Morgenlicht Trinken, was die Zeit nicht heilt Niemals hat und immer viel zu weit Laufen jetzt dem Fluss entgegen Werden mehr und gehen auf
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is Yaakov Shweki, new song. It's called Hine Elokeinu Zeh. This, look, this is Hashem. This is God. Let's listen. Oh, 
Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week, we'll be reading in the synagogue the portion of Korach. It can be found in the Book of Numbers, chapter 16, and following... This is a um, it's a pretty interesting Bible story. It didn't get into the Bible stories for children's books because it has a really unhappy ending. Everybody dies, so they don't put those kind of stories in children's books. Just like kinds like things like everybody walks out of the ark and they live happily ever after. Those are the kind, that's where you find in those books. But Korah led a rebellion against Moses, and the rebellion was squashed by God. So it kind of tells you where things were going. But let's analyze that rebellion. And we have this rule that the Torah is not a storybook. The Torah is a lesson book. What do we derive from it? Korach was Moses's first cousin. And he would, you might say, was like third in succession. I guess it was Aaron Moses, and then the next cousin would have been Korach. He was a very wealthy person, very wealthy. And as so, being a very wealthy person, he believed that he deserved much honor. And having been slighted, I'm not going into the details, but we've done that before. Having been slighted, he decided that, forget about number three, I want to be number one. Which sounds really nefarious. Korach was not stupid. And if you ask anybody, I ask this question to people all the time. Let's do one of these. Let's say, let's say you were in the desert and you didn't like the way things were running. Would you lead a rebellion against Moses? And I've gotten it 100%. Everybody goes, oh, no, there is no way I'm going to lead a rebellion against Moses. Now, I don't profess to be as smart as Korach. And I can tell you for sure, I, I am not as smart as Korach was. Yet, there is, <laughs> how can anybody do something that we would refer to as so dumb? And the answer was, is because Korach was that smart. Korach saw prophetically, did you catch that adjective? Korach saw prophetically that he was going to have a great-grandson by the name of Samuel, that they wrote two books, not one, but two books in the Bible about. Okay, Moses got five, but Samuel, too, not so bad. And it says in, the, in, in Psalms that Samuel in his generation was as equal to Aaron to Moses and Aaron, whereas in Moses' generation, you needed a Moses and you needed an Aaron. So he figured, I'm going to have a kid like that. Got to be successful. Sometimes it's having too much information is not a good thing. What did he, he knew he wasn't going to be able to get to Moses' position. That was not going to happen because he didn't have an opportunity to go up on Sinai and talk to God. That was like, you know, but 
as far as he could see, Moses was the one who appointed Aaron to be the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. And Aaron got to go into the Holy of Holies. And Korach wanted to go into the Holy of Holies. This is where it comes in for us. We've maintained many times and quite often that the people, places, nations, even things which are mentioned in the Torah allude to our own personalities, our own character traits. And so therefore, by this principle, everybody has that own, their own little Korach. There's two ways of looking at Korach. You could look at Korach as being the obnoxious, uh, uh, rebellious cousin, overstepping his bounds. And of course, that we'd say, oh, don't do that. But that would be, that would be too easy. But you have to look, what is it that Korach was fighting for? Korach wanted to be able to go into the Holy of Holies and commune with God in such a way that is beyond description. How do we know it's beyond description? Because of the 27 high priests and the over 300 high priests that went into in, in the 27 priests in the first temple and 300 priests in the second temple, high priests, we have no description. So it must be beyond description. These people are just blown away by what they saw. This was like the greatest revelation of God on earth. And they just, Karach said, I want to see that. And between you and me, I'd like to see that too. This is not, we're not talking Raiders of the Lost Ark where they open up the Ark and everybody melts. <laughs> because it had to be done in a specific way. Aaron wasn't playing with the ark. He didn't touch the ark. Nobody opened it. Once they put the lid on the box, it stayed closed. No one ever opened the box. But just what was present from on top of the box was like, whoa, way big deal. So where are we, where's the takeaway from this? We're not going to the Holy of Holies. Right now, there is no Holy of Holies. The Ark has been hidden. It was hidden by the prophet Jeremiah. You're talking 2,600 years ago. No one has seen it since, hence the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we could ask ourselves, where do we find God? And the easiest place, really, to find God is in your appointment scheduler, if you think about it. Something, you have this whole schedule of appointments, and something goes wrong. I can't, sorry, hello, hello, I can't make the appointment today. And it's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Then suddenly get another appointment, another appointment. Hello, I would rather prefer that our appointment be at the place where you had this other appointment, which isn't there anymore. And suddenly now, the appointment has been made. So this happens to me constantly. I don't even, I'm not even remark. It's, to me, it happens so often, I don't even remark at it. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is what happens. God runs the, <laughs> runs my appointment book. And then if a person wants to experience, that's just regular godliness. But if a person wants to experience Holy of Holies, well, that, the Holy of Holies is in, alluded to by our hearts. Because there's a statement in the Zohar, the grandfather of esoteric Judaism, that states you can't think about God. You're not going to, you're never, God is infinite. 
our brains just cannot wrap around infinity. It's just like we go tilt. We get error messages. But it says from the depths of our heart, that part of us, which is the like quintessential essence of our soul, which is in itself infinite, that can relate to, to God. And so what do we need to do? What lesson do we take from Korach? Person has to be able to feel that oneness with God. That actually is uh, something we could spend. I could spend hours and hours and hours. In fact, I teach classes at Jewish Ferndale, and we spend hours and hours and hours talking just about that. And if you want to get in touch with me and you can talk about it, go to my website, rabbifinman.com, contact me, or go to jewishferndale.com. We have classes, and uh, we talk about how to get in tune with your inner holy of holies. But it's something which can be done. It's something that should be done. It's something that must be done because we have to relate. That's the only way we can get through from one end of this, <laughs> one end of our lifetime to the other end with any type of sanity is just recognizing what it's really all about. Speaking of what it's really all about, we've got an awesome, dynamic Hasidic story coming up at the other end of this commercial. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Best way to contact me, of course, is on the contact page of the homepage of rabbifinman.com. There's a contact link, and you can ask any question, query, comment, criticism, whatever, whatever you'd like to do. You can do that. People send me stuff. I send stuff back. And I've actually created uh, some pretty interesting relationships with people just on email, people I've, on, all over the world that I've never met that are, we have a back and forth, the whole, you know, we have a relationship. It's a wonderful thing. At RabbiFinman.com, you also find archived editions of the show. This last couple of months have been pretty good. We've had some uh, very interesting uh, shows going back uh, when it was first, like the, the, the balloon was first floated about the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade, and we jumped on it, and what is the Jewish position about it, and we've been gun control, and now the education in school, parochial schools, and we've just been, we've been like right on it. It's just like, I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy that we've had the, uh, the, the caliber of guests that we've been having. It's just like, wow. You'll also find additional things there that I put up. There's stuff in writing that I write, there's videos that I've made, there's classes. It's, check that out. It's all pretty good stuff. And there's also, of course, the donations page. It's July, and we haven't finished paying off May. So may you please go to the donations page. Uh, Salem Communications is pretty patient. We usually get we could get a three month uh, lead out of them, and uh, but after three months they get start getting um, uh, testy. I wouldn't say ornery. I just say you know, hey, you know, it's three months, Rabbi. So, but we need your help. We've been on air 28 years, 
and we've only been able to be on air for these 28 years because of help from you. I understand. We got inflation. Listen, gas dropped. I went. I got bought gas last week. It was 30 cents a gallon less than the week before. Yes. And uh, so there's <laughs> there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. So. Uh, <laughs> Time to go look again and see what's uh, your, your uh, I wouldn't call it spare capital because it's part of your budget. You have to budget 10%. You have to give away that money. God gave you 10% of your income to give away. You got to give it away. So the Jewish Hour is part of a large umbrella organization that does many wonderful good things. Jewish Ferndale's part of it. And there's other organizations that are part of it as well. So do that today. And uh, you'll be happy. God will be happy. The IRS will be happy because you're like doing things that are tax deductible. I'll be happy because I'll get to year 29. Um, I plan on doing this until I'm 120. And so I've got about 50 something more years to go doing this. And who knows what will be happening with the media will be. By that point, we'll just be telepathizing. Who knows? Mashiach will be here for sure by then. Speaking of Mashiach, this Saturday... I believe that's July 2nd, is the, uh, celebrates or commemorates the passing of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's year number 31 since his passing. There is a story that is told that starts back after, uh, even before World War II. So there was a, um, a, a chassid of the dynasty of Ger. Ger was this, is a city in suburban Warsaw, Poland, and the Ger Rebbe, I believe, escaped uh, Poland. He didn't escape. He moved out of Poland in 1936 before anything happened and took a lot of people with him. And so this one young man who went with him was uh, moved with him to, to Israel. I think he was in Tel Aviv at first. And then he was in, in Jerusalem or vice versa. I'm not exactly sure how I didn't, I'm not up on gear. So this one young man, this is back in the, this is before the state of Israel. So after Israel was, was founded, he did his, his military service. He went off to New Zealand to go make money because things were really tough. Talk about austere the stories of what people had to do in the 19, early 1950s in Israel, it was never mind third world countries. This was a country that wasn't even on the map, really. So he did okay. He was, he was making money in, uh, in Israel. In the meantime, he had an older daughter who got married and moved to New York. And uh, he, one time he got himself together and he got on a plane, which is like hoo-ha, and flew from New Zealand to New York. And he was, his daughter lived in Brooklyn. And he was uh, came to visit, and he got on the elevator, and another uh, another religious person got on the uh, the elevator. A guy with it was like on the shorter side, and he had like a big black beard. This uh, person in gear, because he'd lived in New Zealand, and he was like isolated, so he took a, he wasn't wearing a beard, he wasn't wearing any of the Hasidic garb. He had wasn't kind of lax in his keeping kosher and uh, Shabbos was. Eh. His daughter still remained remained religious, so he got on the got on the elevator, and the Lubavitcher said, "You're a you're a guest. Where are you from?" And he shook. He said, "Shalom aleichem, aleichem shalom." He said, uh, "Where are you from?" He said, "Currently, I'm living in New Zealand." And the Rebbe looked at him, and people always commented on the Rebbe's blue eyes, piercing blue eyes, and said, "Is there a mikveh in New Zealand?" 
The guy said, I'm only there for a short time, I don't know. And he said, the, the, the Rebbe said to him, Hamechin mitzadi gavar, the Almighty directs the footsteps of man. And if a person is directed someplace, it is because God wants them there to do something good to make the world a better place. And there is nothing more critical than the building of a ritual bath. And he got off the, this came to the floor, he got off the, whatever. And he said, guys, who is that? So his daughter said, well, it's the Lubavitcher Rebbe. That's his son-in-law. The previous Lubavitcher was still alive. It was 1944. Let's jump to 1989. 1944-1989. The protagonist of the story has moved back to Israel. He has dedicated and rededicated himself. He's got a full white beard. He is wearing the Hasidic clothing that the Gera Hasidim wear. And he came to New York. I don't know if he was visiting his daughter, who had by that time had moved out of Crown Heights, or what he was doing there. But while he was there, so one of the things that people did in 1989 is on Sunday they went for dollars. And the Rebbe would give the people a blessing and a dollar to give to charity. So the man decided, I'm going to go get a dollar. And as he was standing in line, it's a very long line, there was, the Rebbe would see like 5,000 people in a, uh, without exaggeration in the course of a Sunday. And suddenly he thought, you know, I've met the Rebbe before. I met him in the elevator. And he asked me about the mikveh in in New Zealand. But he just put it out of his mind. Then, when he got to the Rebbe, he stood in front of the Rebbe, the, the, the average, the, uh, average uh, amount of time that people had in front of the Rebbe was probably about three seconds. I mean, this line, this line moved, and they had bouncers that moved the line. They pushed on people, yes. But the Rebbe looked at him, and and the Rebbe handed him the dollar. The Rebbe said to him, what's doing with the mikveh in New Zealand? And it says the man, the next thing he knew, he was outside of the, he was on the street, standing on the sidewalk with a dollar, with two dollars in his hand. He doesn't remember what he said to the Rebbe, what happened, but he was totally and completely floored. Here was this person who, in the course of 45 years, had met quite literally hundreds of thousands of people. And in the blink of an eye, recognized him. He looked totally different. The boy, he just saw he didn't have a beard. He was wearing uh, regular street clothes. Now he had a huge white beard, which beards cover over people's faces. And he recognized him. So he went back to Israel and he told his Rebbe, who was the current Gera Rebbe at the time, the story. And he, the Gera Rebbe said to him, it doesn't surprise me. Or it doesn't impress me. That's what he said. It doesn't impress me that the Rebbe recognized you because when he looked at you and he looked in your eyes, he saw your soul and that didn't change. What impresses me is that 45 years later, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is still worried. Is there a mikveh in New Zealand? Postscript, yeah, there are a couple of mikvehs in New Zealand now. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care.
אבינו, אב הרחמה, המרחם Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person. person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.